This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On The Bench. I'm going to host today. My name is Chris Nee, and I'm bringing the energy because Brendan told me I had to. I'm joined by Brendan and Zach. Brendan is still in Amelia Island wrapping up festivities there for the ACC spring meetings. Me and Zach are about to hit the road to an undisclosed undisclosed location or two today. But stay tuned. We'll have plenty of content as we always do. All right. Not going to waste any time because a man's got to check out of his hotel room here soon. Brendan, ACC spring meetings. You got a chance to talk to... Head coach Leonard Hamilton, but we're not going to talk basketball. I'll save that for another day. We have stuff on the side if you want to read that. You got a chance to talk to head coach Mike Norvell. We're going to talk about that. And then, obviously, the big news of that whole event was, is the ACC going to blow up today, tomorrow, or somewhere down the road? So let's get going. Mike Norvell, what was some of the uh, context of the conversation that you had with Mike Norvell on Tuesday? Well, first, I would like to say that I tried to uh, present Mike Norvell with the option of using some of the, the orange blossom pink Himalayan salt that the hand scrub that is at the Ritz Carlton hotel. Uh, he declined it multiple times. So I tried, I tried to fight the good fight there. Uh, I did. And it was amazing. I think that's the big news to come out of this. Wait, uh, were you in the bathroom with him? Not again. Anyways. Yeah. Mike Norvell spoke to the media on record on Tuesday evening after the second day, which is the longest day, the full day of ACC meetings. A few cliff notes of what he discussed. Uh, one thing that will be coming out later today when Jim Phillips talks is a tiebreaker with the ACC now that there are not divisions for football. Uh, so that is one thing that they discussed, and they came out with a format for that. Like if a team has to – two teams have the same record that to play in the ACC championship game, how that would be worked out. That was one noteworthy thing. It sounds like NIL, Transfer Portal were all discussed. It, one dynamic that Mike talked about was, uh, quote-unquote, our worst fears being realized when it comes to NIL and the transfer portal. And and really, I mean, he talked about tampering last year. And I think the big fear that, that he discussed happening, what they thought would happen and has happened, is players basically being told through third-party you know, agent types that, hey, if you leave here, you can go and get more money here. And then players go ahead and, and do that, and they enter the transfer portal or start the process and come out and to find out that, oh, that the money that I was told by this third-party person uh, was not exactly what was promised. And so you have the potential of, like, legitimate careers being ruined from that. And, and so I thought it was good for Mike to probably put his, his name on that and to speak so strongly about it. It's something that I think Florida State has had to deal with in the last couple months and, and it's good that he's going forward to talk about that. You know, everyone in college football tampers to an extent, uh, but but there's a line of like a gentleman's agreement. And, and I think that's kind of what's being discussed. Um, from an FSU standpoint, fellas, I think the two, the two noteworthy items are one, Daryl Jackson still awaiting a waiver. We've talked about this, Zach, 
uh, mentioned that in depth the other day that may could be a time where they get some clarity on it. It's not like they were still waiting word on that here in, in mid-May. Uh, they've been in constant communication with the NCAA. Mike Norvell mentioned there being a quote-unquote sense of urgency, uh, but it didn't sound like he was frustrated by it, just more so that, that they know that they want to get an answer sooner rather than later this summer, so they know what Daryl Jackson's future is going to hold. They've had a lot of consistent communication. Daryl's family has as well with the NCAA, so that's happening. Uh, maybe not the speed that yeah, as the fan base would, would want it to, but it didn't sound like they were frustrated by that. And, and then the other thing that he talked about at, at length was Destin Hill and basically kind of his competitive mindset, uh, the the things he's done to kind of keep himself prepared and, and ready to to hit the ground running when he when summer workouts start here at Florida State and and kind of understand like yeah this is a guy who hasn't played football the last couple of years and more or less you'll have to take a wait and see approach to what that all looks like when he starts running around you put the GPS on him and see what what he does uh, from a from a physical conditioning standpoint just how ready he actually is so those were those were the main talking points that Mike Norvell had uh, you know, I thought it was you know, he talked about 15 20 minutes or so he was good at talking about revenue sharing and and maybe some of the um, unintended consequences if if that starts happening throughout Power Five conferences, what that could look like for other uh, other athletic uh, programs or other sports in the athletic program, the non the non revenue ones. Uh, so for him to be thoughtful on that and say, yeah, that could be a, a potential issue. It's like football is always going to be okay. It's always going to make money. It's always going to get money in from TV deals and whatnot, but if we start doing a, a bigger pie of revenue sharing towards football, yeah, there are unintended consequences that could impact other sports. So that was good for him to be thoughtful of that holistic approach. So yeah, that was everything for Mike Norvell. It was it was fun catching up with him and and he was thoughtful and and talked about a lot of different topics. A couple footnotes, Destin Hill and the whole summer workouts that really gets underway early June. That's when the entire team should be here, including the newcomers that are not yet on campus. I'm sure they'll do some stuff here in the next two weeks, but in general, that stuff gets going the first week of June, from what I understand. On Daryl Jackson, uh, Brendan, you can chime in here. I know in the past when Zach has spoken on that subject that there's been a good amount of optimism. FSU believes that there's a strong case for him to get the two-time waiver. Did Mike kind of reinforce that or kind of steer clear of that this go-round? He didn't hint at any expectations of what would happen. Um, I thought just reading the tone, like he sounded pretty relaxed and optimistic about it. So that would be reflective of what we've consistently heard. But no, there wasn't like a tipping of the hand of we expect this to happen one way or the other. And the third subject obviously is a big one. My money, financials, the whole ACC, the pie, you know, in comparison to the SEC and the Big Ten and the upcoming new deal for the Big 12 and the potential new deal or situation for the Pac-12. Uh, you know, Mike does a good job of kind of deferring to his AD with regards to that, always has. And I think that's a smart way because he has a good he has a good AD working for him and for the program. Zach, I want to get your quick reaction. When you heard or read the Magnificent Seven tweet from Brett McMurphy on what was that Monday morning before this thing really got going, did you think the ACC was on the verge of blowing up like so many on the internet theorized immediately? Um, No, uh, I think – a lot of this is just for show. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know if it's just because I, I'm, I'm not, you know, covering football uh, more than I am recruiting, but a lot of this stuff just doesn't really interest me. Um, I think I'm more interested when, when teams actually start to move um, and, and that kind of stuff happens. Like, that'll be where it gets interesting to me. But a lot of this, you know, 
oh, these seven schools are talking about trying to figure out how the, the grant of rights can be, um, you know, how they can exit, right? Like, I, I don't really care that Virginia, Virginia Tech and NC State are like, like, I, I don't know if, if um, the Big Ten or the SEC would, would want to uh, carry those schools. Like, I just like that, that just doesn't seem viable. Um, and, and with just how the grant of rights has been explained by you, Chris and, and Brendan, like, it just doesn't seem like something that that's really, um, you know, all these like, I wouldn't call them threats, but that that tweet right before obviously the ACC meetings happened there on Monday, it seemed like it was it was very much um, orchestrated to be put out in that fashion and at that time. So yeah, um, to me, no, I, w- I didn't freak out, but I can see why people are very interested in it, right? Like we all like Michael Alford has gone on record multiple times saying that Florida State uh, needs to be compensated for how much revenue it's bringing to the conference. Um, it's, you know, proportionally just, you know, FSU's TV ratings are just proportionally better than anyone else in the conference, including Clemson. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I think needs to be worked out. I think that's more so what I'd, I'd be focused on is the revenue sharing aspect, because I think that's something that can actually be worked out. Whereas the grant of rights thing um, would probably be something you worry about uh, further down the line. Yeah, seeds of the conversation of the ACC revenue sharing, departing the ACC, the grant of rights have been planted for many, many months. Obviously, the February Board of Trustees meeting where Michael Alford was ultra direct about some stuff was an aggressive moment in this. I feel like that's the best way I can describe the last 48, 72 hours is, again, an aggressive moment. I think you wanted to make people uncomfortable in those rooms when they were having those conversations. I think you wanted there to be clarity in those rooms that, like, this is a serious subject and we are serious schools are serious about the need for more financial incentive to be in this league or get the heck out of this league. Uh, the, the tweet itself, it definitely orchestrated, definitely planned those seven schools that are mentioned. They may be looking at the grant of rights, but I don't think they were on the verge of dissolving the conference. Like some people quickly jump to, I just don't think there's a home for all of those schools currently, personally, based on what I've known in conversations I've had about this subject. So Brendan looping you back in here. Uh, we know Michael Alford's a bit of the guy throwing the monkey wrenches in the machine. Seems like he tried to play very nice on Tuesday with regards to this subject, with the interview that he gave to the collected media. I presume Monday his tone was a little bit different behind closed doors as he's been one at the forefront of pushing along with Clemson and Graham Neff, the need for more money to schools that generate more money. Basically, we know who we are and we know who they are, which he said on the ACC network. So what was your takeaways in both the conversation on the record with Mike Walford and just reading the room and being around the environment of what was going on. So for background, I got there on Tuesday morning by, by planning. Uh, normally a lot doesn't happen on Monday and depending on like during these spring meetings, like day one's usually kind of a wasted day from an interview standpoint, depending on <laughs> what your perspective is, a lot happened on Monday or a lot didn't happen on Monday. The athletic directors left. So that report, that tweet that you mentioned, Chris, the Magnificent Seven, came out at about 2 p.m. or so on, on Monday. And for context, like that's about the time coaches and 80s were rolling into the ACC spring meetings. So it was a very strategic. Whoever planted it, I'm not sure who did, uh, but whoever did it, it was strategic for that to be like a tone setter as things were getting underway. Uh, to me, it followed in line with, with a similar level of posturing that, 
Michael Alford had during the aforementioned Board of Trustees um, meeting back in February, where you're basically trying to send your warning shot like, hey, we are taking this seriously. You all need to take this seriously as well. Uh, so on Monday, talking to other reporters who were there, like, so all the 80s left. And just depend on who you talk to, like some felt it was tense, some felt like it was kind of lighthearted, maybe depend on which AD you zeroed in on, like some were chuckling, uh, some were doing a big sigh of uh, relief or uh, whatever it is, it took an hour longer than they had anticipated that meeting uh, on Monday evening going and the coaches, uh, or sorry, the athletic directors basically left with what seemed like generally like a sense of, of tension uh, and and that seemed to be dissolved by Tuesday morning. There was the fake tweet that two athletic directors got in a fight at an Amelia Island bar. Not true, but uh, I did find that to be a humorous side note to all this. I'd pay good money to watch John Curry just get into it with somebody. Who was, Put on who the deacon NC- hat, come out on a motorcycle, just get at it. Who is NC State athletic director? That is that Boo? Who? Yeah, so comedically, like for it to, for them to pick Boo as like the guy who's getting in a fight at a bar I thought worked. I thought that was a, a good little side note to all this. I think it did exemplify that. Yeah, there was probably a little bit of tension uh, that, that people were picking up on uh, on Monday. But no, like apparently all the athletic directors were, were at a bar and chilling and having fun. And and there was nothing. Uh, what, what happened in the room stayed in the room. And everyone was cool afterwards. And by Tuesday, uh, uh, it sounded like it was very productive. And that's what, where we get to Michael Offord now. Like him talking about things. And yes, he played nice, Chris. I think that's a good way to put it. I think it's because mission accomplished. Like he wanted to... Uh, to do some posturing, to make a statement these last couple of months, to have a serious dialogue about revenue sharing and in schools like Florida State, like Clemson, that are bringing more eyeballs onto the conference than other programs that are investing more money for football than, than other conference or others in the conference are uh, to be compensated back for that, for it to not be an equal distribution for TV rights and, and other things. Uh, for for there to be an incentive basically for being good at football and for investing in football or for having interest in football. Uh, one of the so as we get to what that means for Florida State, uh, Michael offered discussed revenue sharing and he didn't go into the specific plans because he said there's many plans that have been discussed throughout the day. Uh, but one of the ideas was, that was floated was uh, there'd be some incentivization incentivization for winning the conference or for making it to the playoffs like where you'll get a bigger piece of the pie because i think as currently comprised chris if, if an acc school makes the playoffs you get more money as a as a conference but then that com- that money gets distributed evenly throughout all the yeah i i believe the historic approach for that has been pay the expenses and then divide the rest among the conference yeah. so I think that is something to say, like, hey, if, if we're making a playoff appearance, whether it's us, Clemson, Miami, <laughs> whoever it is, uh, should be able to get some of, of a bigger piece of the pie. And where does that money come from? Well, the, the college football playoff will be expanding coming up in a year, so there'll be more revenue coming from, from that. Uh, there'll be some other uh, incentives and uh, objectives that, that the ACC is working on to where – Basically, like the money that every ACC team is getting now will not be any lower 
it's going to be more like the extra revenue that's coming in in future years will be distributed more to uh, higher end programs, for lack of a better phrase, like Florida State, or at least that's what's being discussed. It sounds like there's a receptiveness to that. So Michael Offer came out and said, uh, basically, well, let me see, I can find the quote here, said, quote, we're very thrilled about being in this league and we want to stay. It's not what the vibe was on Monday based on that timely tweet from Brett McMurphy of Action Network. Uh, this was more of a kumbaya type of deal. I think it caught a lot of people off guard with the fan base. I was hoping for fireworks on Tuesday. That's typically not how this goes. The fact there were some fireworks at all on Monday was actually kind of surprising to us. Uh, basically, guys, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I think Michael Alford and FSU don't have a great hand to play. They have leverage that they're Florida State, which means something in the conference. But if other conferences like SEC or the Big Ten aren't able to act aggressively right now to to pluck you out of your conference, there's only so much that you can do. And I think from what I can see, it seems like Michael Alford and FSU have leveraged their hand the best way possible to probably make an extra five to $10 million a year moving forward, which isn't ideal, but it closes the gap from like the $30 million plus that SEC schools are making right now. So I, I think FSU and Michael Alford have played their hand well. Chris, I want to get your thoughts on that. I mean, I I listened to the interview you guys did with him, the one he did on the ACC Network. Uh, read anything and everything I could get my hands on with regards to this week. I read the piece that Ross from SI put out on uh, Monday that kind of coincided with Mur- McMurphy's tweet, talking about the group and the league coalescing together, talking together. A uh, few quick pointers because I don't want to drag it out, but if FSU could get out of grant of rights, they'd be out of the grant of rights. Like they'd run for the hills as fast as humanly possible. They're, they're not scared of divorcing this league. I mean, that's abundantly clear. I think that's true for FSU. I think that's definitely true for Clemson as well. And there's some others that I think are somewhat comfortable in that department. And it kind of deteriorates as you go down the line with regards to those schools having options to go to. Uh, the other thing is, yes, it will be nice for that money to be distributed a little bit differently but the fact that TV revenue is not going to be messed with, that that's likely going to stay an equal piece of the pie for everybody. Uh, it's kind of, you know, half serving what was spoken on in February of essentially FSC drives those TV ratings. FSU and Clemson especially drives those TV ratings. And if you take them away in comparison to the other 10, 12 teams in this league that like, you know, the TV revenue isn't going to be there. Like the, the audience is not there to drive the number of what the TV revenue is. So that's obviously an area where it sounds like the plan that may be coming out of these meetings that may be shared by the league of some type of revenue sharing, it's not going to include that, which is a disappointment, but not a surprise. Uh, in the end, FSU will ultimately leave this conference. I don't think it's going to be today. I don't think it's going to be in the next couple of years, truthfully. I'm not convinced it's before I'm damn near 45 years old. So like, it's going to take time. But I think the end game, the goal here barring somehow ESPN deciding to back out of a deal that's relatively cheap for them and renegotiating, which I don't think is something that's on the table as of today. I think the goal ultimately is to leave, but if they could leave, they would leave. And right now they can't, that grant of rights is a pain in the butt. Uh, you know, numerous schools. Have, I truthfully, I presume every single school in the league has actually truly looked into it. Why numerous schools they? have looked into it with the idea of trying to get out of it. And uh, yeah. It is what it is. It hasn't been gotten out of for a reason. It's very ironclad. It was a dumb agreement to sign for the length of time it was signed for. But at the time it was signed because 
We're going to try to keep this thing together. And it wasn't with the thought of, hey, in 10 years, holy hell, the money's going to be so much more. And we're going to be left at the altar with our, you know, not having the kind of financial backing that programs of this sort that want to compete at a national level like FSU and Clemson and a few others want to need to compete. You know, FSU is going to get lapped by the Villanova, I'm sorry, the uh, Vanderbilts and the Rutgers of the world financially because of the deals that those leagues now have. One other minor footnote, for whatever reason, it stuck with me in reading all of this stuff. I, I listened to the College Football Inquirer pod, which had Ross with, uh, I think it's Wetzel that hosted maybe Pat Forty. I don't usually listen to it, but I wanted to hear what Ross had to say on the subject he wrote on. And I thought the interesting thing was he mentioned that the uh, big, when Warren was running it, wanted to add uh, Oregon and Washington to basically create a pod for USC and UCLA. And their media partners essentially told him the money is not there to do that right now. I think we kind of always think of this uh, subject in the context of, oh, there's just endless money and the SEC and the bigs are going to eventually grow to these super conferences, which, yes, I believe that is the end game. But I don't know that the money's there for everybody to jump. Is the money there for FSU and Clemson to jump? Yeah, I, I think those properties are so appealing that you find the money. My point more so is as you're trying to get these numbers to seven or eight to dissolve the grant of rights, to dissolve the league, or all these things that are theorized, I'm not sure the money is there for a lot of those teams to, to jump somewhere where it's truthfully a better deal. You know, it, it, the list is SEC and big are 1A and 1B, and then the big 12, and then it falls off a cliff. Uh, what to, up, Brendan? To follow up on that, Chris, I think those are good points. So clarify, you say seven or eight teams to dissolve the grant of right? It has to be at least eight, correct? Right. For- yes, it has to be more than 50%. And that, that's, again, sort of a theory, not a proven fact. Now, I believe the ACC is viewed as a uh, – as a. It, they're in the state of North Carolina, obviously. That's the home base for the ACC. And I believe by the state charter, the law of the state – for the league to dissolve, it has to be more than 50% of uh, the ownership group. So it would be half, more than half the schools. But, like, I don't think the ACC is on the verge of being dissolved. I don't. I know the number said in the Magnificent Seven, people got really close. Oh, one more and it's eight. Louisville. I saw tweets. Louisville is in now. Hey, somehow the next morning they decide they're in. At the same time, those eight schools don't all have landing spots. And if they don't they have a financial landing, landing spot that is better than what they currently have, Mm -hmm. then why the hell would they run from what they currently have? And people also think that ESPN's ready to come to the table. ESPN's not struggling in the sense of like they're going broke, but the financials of ESPN have drastically changed in the last, I don't know, five, six years. Mm -hmm. And they don't just have the ready money available to back out of what essentially is a pretty good deal for them currently with the ACC. They're not losing money with their ACC deal. They still own very good properties that fill hours on end of programming, which is ultimately their goal, and still draw viewers, especially with FSU and Clemson. They're not in a rush to get to the table and change the dynamics of those deals. I saw I saw Zach yawn at one point, so we've we've gone 20 minutes on this. Let's let's move forward. Why what are you doing? Why are you throwing a tantrum? No, I think it was a good conversation. Why'd you throw your hands up in there just now? Like hallelujah, we're done. Oh, that is done. Okay. I thought it was frustration. Anything else from the ACC meetings you wanted to draw? Uh, I talked about the Himalayan salt. Uh, they had a little baby ch- strawberry cheesecake that was a big hit. I think that might. I saw the dessert cool. rankings. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I was, feel like I would probably agree if I was there in person. It's tough to find u- unanimity for everyone to be on the same page in 2023. Uh, but this was by far everyone. Athletic directors were coming out and saying how great the strawberry cheesecake was. We at the media had our power rankings between that. Uh, 
brownie cookies basically and key lime pie and it was a one two three with a clear one so yeah that was that was acc meetings it's always fun even, here even the computers agreed even the computers agreed even chat gbt agreed so yeah that was the acc meetings um it was it was good uh be curious to see if anything comes to fruition with revenue sharing today i doubt it because presidents chancellors aren't here and they would certainly need to be involved in and basically a big you know, multi-million dollar type of movement of, of money. But it does sound like that's what's being worked to. That's what Florida State wanted to accomplish. I think Michael Alford will leave Amelia Island feeling like that was indeed accomplished or at least taken steps forward to doing so. Yeah. I, I think FSU has good leadership. You know, We're on record. I think all of us agree with that currently. They're going to continue to have that. But none of this happens fast. It's as much football and athletics as it is politics. So we all know how that moves. All right. I think that's it for right now. We'll probably have more. Obviously it's a little bit of a Keon Coleman day potentially. So, you know, stay tuned. Maybe we're back later today with some instant reaction or something like that. But for Chris, for Brandon, for Zach, uh, rank us five stars because we're awesome. Thanks for Chris. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.